Howdy, y'all, and welcome to another episode of The Daily Grind. I'm your host, John Spencer, so grab a mug of your favorite brew and get ready to brew your brain as we give a rundown on today's dates and some interesting historical facts, and to sharpen your wit as I toss out some random musing and facts just to get your brain gears turning, and hopefully a time to enrich your faith as we talk about our walk with Jesus. Hey, and this week, once again, co-hosting with me on the brew and sharpen parts of the Daily Grind, my sister, Carla Cockrum. Hello, Daily Grind. So happy to be here. Got a cup of coffee and let's go. All right. Let's get this show on the road. Now it's that time on the Daily Grind to Brew Your Brain. It's Friday, September 15th. And on this date in 1971, USA Today began its publication and introduced their unique newspaper stand. I remember. And it used to be delivered to my dorm room. (laughs) All the time. So interesting. It was just so different to look at. We all had to have it. So now. Here's a little bit of something that doesn't matter to probably anybody, but that iconic USA Today newspaper stand mm-hmm. were made by Casper Wirework okay. from Shiner, Texas. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And Dennis Casper. Yes. My CEO <gasps> yes. when I was a fish at yes, Texas yes, A&M, yes. the commander of Company E1. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> was the Casper <laughs> Wireworks family people from Shiner, Texas. How about that? There you go. Small world. S- September 15th is Cream de Mint Day. Oh, delicious. It's Greenpeace Day. Okay. It's Linguini Day. Oh, that sounds good too. Uh-huh. It's Make a Hat Day. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's Online Learning Day. Okay. Announce that time on the daily grind to sharpen your wit. This isn't going to have Italians call that symbol the snail. Okay. The Dutch call it the monkey tail. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> but that little A with the circle around it is the synchronon of electronic communication, thanks to email addresses and Twitter handles. The synchronon. Yeah. Okay. That, so that at sign has been inducted into the permanent collection of the Museum of Modern Art. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it cited its modern use as an example of elegance, economy, intellectual transparency, and a sense of the possible future directions that are embedded in the art of our time. What a great time to be alive. What a great time to be alive. (laughs) Now, here's the history. The origin of the symbol itself is one of the most graceful characters on the keyboard is something Mm -hmm. of a mystery. So here's one theory is that medieval monks looking for shortcuts while they were copying all those manuscripts by hand converted the Latin word for toward Ah. to an A with the back part of the D as the tail. Okay. Another theory is that it came from the French word for at, which is ah, 
and scribe striving to for efficiency swept the nib of the pen around the oh. top because it has that little accent on it yes. and so it evolved just having the circle out of it oh okay or these are the three predominant theories the symbol evolved from an abbreviation of each app and the a being encased by the e so if you look at it one way you could say that it is both a a and an e around it oh. and so the first documented use that we have is in 1536 in what? a letter by Francesco Lepi, a Florentine merchant. He used that at sign to denote units of wine called amphorae, which were shipped in large clay jars. How about that? Yeah. And so then that symbol took on an historic role in commerce and merchants began to use it like that to signify yes. at the rate of. In other words, if you had 12 widgets at sign, one dollar then that would mean you had twelve dollars right and not one dollar to speak of that's you know its importance so when the machine age came around it wasn't so kind to the at sign because the first typewriters built in the mid-1800s did not include the at sign no and it was not among the symbolic array of the earliest punch card tabulating systems oh no you know, when they were first used in the 1800s for the census, that's like the precursors to our computer programming. But the symbol's modern obscurity ended in 1971. <laughs> Here's what happened. A computer scientist named Ray Tomlinson. Oh, Ray Tomlinson. <laughs> he was facing a vexing problem. He had to come up with a way to connect people who program computers with one another. Yes. And at that time, each programmer was typically connected to a particular mainframe via a phone connection and a teletype machine. Right. So basically, you had a keyboard with a built-in printer. Right. But these computers were not connected to one another. Right. A shortcoming the U.S. government sought to overcome when it hired BBN Technologies, the Cambridge Mass Company that Tomlinson worked for, to help develop a network called ARPANET. It was the forerunner of the internet. Yes. And so Tomlinson said, I had to come up with a way to address a message created by one person and sent through ARPNET to someone at a different computer. So that address needed an individual's name. And so he reasoned, as well as the name of the computer, which might service many users. So he was looking for a symbol to separate these two address elements, but could not use something that was widely already in use in programs and operating systems because then the computer would get confused and his eyes fell upon (laughs) the at sign poised at that time right above the p on his model 33 teletype machine he goes and he this is a quote i was mostly looking for a symbol that wasn't used he told the smithsonian and there it was (laughs) uh there weren't a lot of options and so an exclamation point or a comma no. could have used an equal sign, but that nope. wouldn't have made much sense. Nope. So I chose the at sign. He chose probably so well. saving it from the going the way of the sent sign on computer <laughs> keyboards. We don't see those anymore. No, they're certainly not in the museum. <gasps> no. So using his naming system, he sent himself an email, which traveled from one teletype wow. in his room through ARPNET back to a different teletype in his room. Wow. Um, he still works at BBN. Oh, wow. 
I know. He must. Wow. I know. <laughs> and he says he doesn't remember what he wrote in that first email. And that's fitting. Uh, <laughs> as, because, you know, the medium is the message. Right. And with that message, that ancient at sign once nearly obsolete. Wow became the symbolic linchpin of a revolution of how humans now communicate and connect. Well said. So we told you we would come back with information on the <laughs> ad sign. And there is more there than you ever probably wanted to know and might have been afraid to ask, but that's how we I get. I love it. Spencer JD at <laughs> the daily website email addresses. Yep. Terrific. So Carla, thanks for joining me for another oh. week. My pleasure. On the Daily Grind. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you. Thank you, Daily Grind, for listening. <laughs> yeah, we will see you guys next week for another full week of the Daily Grind. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Marty. Psalm 60. I, I picked this one. Primarily because it's one of those that I think is weird and it's a little exotic. I don't know how many times I've read this psalm, but there are parts of it, especially verses six through eight, that are poetic and powerful and mysterious. And like I said, just a little weird and quirky. So what were your overall impressions? And then we'll talk about context and some other stuff in this psalm, maybe. Okay. So I am definitely going to need some context. And I thought that you purposely chose this psalm because you knew that there was tons of words in there that I also have <laughs> no idea how to pronounce. <laughs> so I, I read it. I read it three times. So this is the first time I've read it, the second time to see if I understood, and the third time to really uh, take it in. So to me, it's like a prayer for help and um, in a time of distress. It says like you have shaken the land, you've torn it up in fractures, but we're we're pleading to you, come and help us and give us victory. Um, so I'm I'm thinking that this is some type of type of war. You're exactly right. So in fact, what's going on is in in this psalm, um, David has gone off to fight the people on their northern border of the kingdom of Israel, and so while the armies are up in the north this country Edom from the south decides oh look the army's all up north we will come in and attack from the south and so you get this whole kind of back and forth with God David is just always emotionally honest and bold we see in the Psalms and so the writers mm -hmm. you know David's not just praising God for his blessing he's kind of blaming him for the hardships that people are experiencing and it's messy times it. I mean, I don't know you read it. It can even be a little contradictory for that reason. I think it's a difficult to accept the Psalm as like a, Hey, here's this declaration of theological truth. And I think it's one of those that you see it really as a true depiction of just desperate and broken person, just thrashing before God and letting honest feelings out. I think we've talked about that before about like, you're you're mad you're like saying how could you do this but also like i i i'm saying that i believe so i can't really blame you there's a reason for everything yeah to me if i was gonna go hey what's the point if i read through the psalm it's where we have an opportunity to kind of go am i going to be led by my 
feelings or am I going to be led by facts or truth? Yeah. It encourages, it, it's the encourage of trust in God's support and acknowledgement. That's where the ultimate victory will come from. Yeah, because yeah. you, yeah, you get all those feelings in the front of this about feelings of betrayal and cruelty. But yet, you know, it shifts from all those kinds of feelings to still speak of going, but God loves his people and he has power over nations and he has, it's his ability to deliver them. And so at the end, you know, it lands on that affirmation of truth that human help is worthless. We can't deliver ourselves. So God, please help us. It's so real because I want to go, who doesn't struggle with those kind of feelings? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if you, I don't know if you ever read it. Um, Alan Bloom wrote a book called The Closing of the American Mind. No. Jonathan Haidt, uh, he's a social psychologist, and he wrote a book, and it's a little more current, called The uh, Coddling of the American Mind. (laughs) And it's really kind of aimed at the younger generation. And he says there's three great untruths that we really are instilling on young people today. And the first one is what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. In other words, we want to avoid uncomfortable situations and things that we struggle with. The second one was that you should always trust your feelings. And the third one is that life is a battle between good people and evil people. Second one where, you know, he says it's always trust your feelings. I think you could make the argument that in, in a pendulum way, I think of like my parents' generations had the opposite problem where they were kind of harmed by excessively suppressing their feelings. <laughs> yeah. You, you just, but I think it's gone so far the other way that we kind of go, we just are teaching, I think, a younger generation that their feelings are not only real, but they're also an accurate representation of reality. And so, so if I you can, feel persecuted, actually, you yeah. are persecuted. And that not necessarily true. I think. No, and so and you and I'm glad you said that that's not necessarily true because you know the feelings are are deceiving. Our heart is deceiving. Yeah. You know, it's we we do it well, I can't say we, but I know that I do it all the time. It's that self-doubt, it's that time you think you see something. It's the whole reason why I try to do the whole charitable assumption because I'm like, am I perceiving this true or am I letting my feelings get the best of me? Yeah, and now, that can also that's that that's that pendulum. I I am a pendulum, John. Uh, I will go. I'm I'm on this <laughs> side, and then I'm on this side. I can never seem to get myself completely balanced because I'm like, I I say no, however, except for this, and then I'm on this side, and then it's like never finding that balance. And feelings can be deceiving. They can. Now I'm not anti-feeling. I mean, I think feelings are good. I'm glad I mm-hmm. have them, but they are not the best indicator of real and and that's what you shouldn't you know you shouldn't base yourself worth on them and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and plus because you, you just said it they're they're easily deceived and they're manipulated by so many things no you know, no okay if you i'd like that i mean if you can tell me the history and also okay hold on i have to i have to say this is it sheshem shechem i will parse it out sheshem Shechem. Shechem. Okay. Valley of Sukkoth. Of Sukkoth. Yeah. Sukkoth. Okay. Jalid. 
I'm like, John, I swear, I went through these names. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm reading this silently. I am not reading this out loud today. I'm just going to read this I out loud. Want, I just want like to let you know, I typically, <laughs> I typically read the Psalms out loud because I'm trying to see where everything is. Because it's songy. Like, you can see where it flows or whatever. But I was like, in Triumph, I will parcel out. I was like, Sheshem? Shechem. Yeah. Well, and it goes in. In fact, the, the superscript for this one, it's to the director of music. And then he, mm-hmm. he notes even the tune that you play it to, mm-hmm. you know, to the tune of Lily of the Agreement, which is, you know, testimony. Oh. And so he's fighting um, the Arameans, okay. uh, the Northwest, that's kind of up in Mesopotamia. And Zobah and Joab have returned and they have been defeated. You know, they've defeated... 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. And that's all, you can find all this stuff in like 2 Samuel chapter 8, 1 Chronicles chapter 18. Okay. Now, I think it's interesting. So he does, geography does kind of play some parts of this because he's talking about there's parts of Israel that are on the other, to on the other side of the Jordan and how, you know, that land is theirs. But again, Starts off with, God, you know, you've rejected us. You've scattered us. You've been angry with us. You've broken the earth. Heal where you've broken it. You know, heal those cracks and fractures because it's shaking. I mean, it's like the whole world is kind of undone here. And then you will see every now and then this little word like Selah. Does that show up in your translation? S-E-L-A-H? Yes. Like at the end end of verse 4? Yes. And that really means like, okay, there's an interlude. There's a break. Oh, <laughs> that's the, okay. That's where, that's where the guitar solo fits in. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, then there's a plea, you know, to answer us, save us, give us victory by your power so that the people that you love will be rescued. So there's this kind of, I'm going to go back and declare all that stuff. And so, you know, in six, it's where he says, God has said from his temple (laughs) you know which means like mm, subjugated not a high honor like very menial and then he says and i throw my sandal at edom and in the and in the middle east like that's a huge insult to throw your shoe at somebody yeah because nothing's dirtier than your feet and so you really are saying hey I'm you are the lowest servant there is because the most menial task of anybody is the person that has to hold somebody's sandals or wash their feet or do that stuff. Um, and it's amazing how global that kind of is. Did you did you go to Miss Mary's retirement? I did. I I, you know, not somebody that gets choked up pretty easy, but I it. In fact, it's emotional to me now. Vikas said in India and in his culture, one of the greatest honors you can pay to somebody is to touch their feet. Oh. And he and he knelt down and he touched Miss Mary's feet. Oh. Just, which is I know it's a huge uh, honor of display that I'm God is saying, Hey, my tribes are yes, they're solid. He goes, but I'm gonna tell you the your enemies, the Moabites, they're gonna be subjugated they're a wash bowl i'm gonna throw my sandals at edom and by the way i'm also gonna triumph over 
the Philistines, which were another people that weren't currently involved in this skirmishes, but were longtime enemies. And so in this psalm, you have this declaration of give us help against our foes because human help is useless. Our self kind of deliverance won't work, but we can win with God's help because he will defeat, you know, our enemies or our foes. But that verses six through eight are always one of those that I go, wow, that just seems so harsh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's saying, all right, these these people got my back, and then this is what I'm going to do to these people. To to other people. Mm -hmm, To the other people. At the midst of this war in the north, when they were invaded in the south, it was... It was just immediately like, oh, my gosh, we had a plan. God, why didn't you come with us? We thought, you know, we were all on Team Jehovah. We struggle, but it's kind of like, but isn't it your fault? You know, you've made us unable to walk straight. You know, you've made us like people who are just drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, that was the like, I, actually, that's one of the things that stood out to me. It says, you've shown your people desperate times. You've given us wine that makes us staggered. So I'm like, so wait. He's making me drunk. <laughs> drunk with what? Power? So really, well, it's really wrath. What they're saying is your wrath on us is making us stumble around and reel, just like people who've, you know, drunk too much oh, wine. Oh, gotcha. And uh, so, but then he, but he ends it too by saying, but God, raise your banner up, you know, let us. And the point is not the banner, but it's the one who raises it. You have raised a banner over those who fear you so that they can stand up against their enemies. Like there is like, let's rally around this because we maybe have been dependent on our own stuff and that's where we got into trouble. So God help us to, to depend on you and, mm-hmm. and not on our, our own resources and, you know, to be self-made people. Yeah. Psalm 60. It's one of those that I think is just got enough weirdness in it that I kind of go, wow, God's like throwing shoes at people and making them wash bowls. Yeah. So I am, um, I try to take uh, like something from the Psalm and like, how do I, how do I put that in my everyday like life so I can look at that again? So, you know, one of my, well, not that you know, but uh, one of my aspirations is I want to be a good community leader. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. not just in my role here at TCC, but just everything that I, I mean, I come from a pretty, uh, we're the most famous nobody family here in the Fort Worth area. And, you know, I want to make sure that I'm always lead by an example. And so I try to think of like, what is the lesson that I learned here? And it, to me, it was seeking solutions and strength through faith and unity. Um, and, oh, and that's I what I got from this. It. That is so good. Especially in the faces of challenges, because that's still, you have to have faith in you, even though it's, 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 it's problem solving. And you know how I am, John, I'm a problem solver. And so it's like, oh my gosh, you've put all these roadblocks in front of me, but I still need your help. So uh, I have to trust. Psalm of instruction. And to me, it ends at that point of instruction to me because I, I agree with you i think i read this and i always want to go what is it that i need and and when i think about it it's really not as weird as it appears on its surface and i for me i just kind of go i just need reminding every single day that it's only that victory only comes with god's help it's not me 
thinking I got it figured out. I'm smart enough. I can do it on my own. Uh, and I love the way that you tied it into community. You know, mm-hmm. that there's this interdependency that we have on each other and, and this healthy dependency we should have on yeah. the creator that made us. Yeah, especially um, in the face of challenges. Yeah. And especially if you're making the decision to trust in God. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to remember because I know that, again, I'm very open about it. I, I struggle with that a lot because reading this, I'm just like, come on, humans don't always fail you, but it's it's true. I mean, we have to, we have a divine protector. Yeah. Yeah. Verse five, that phrase, those that you love is really kind of linguistically connected to David's own name. Um, Yadid, because David means beloved. And so you have the guy singing it. It's kind of doing a play on words, too, of what it means to be, you know, that we're loved by God. And I think that's the hardest thing to to not let slip out of your grip when it looks like things aren't going like they should. Yeah. This Maritza is the 75th episode of the daily. (gasps) Already. Yeah. 75 today. Yeah. This will be the 75th episode. Oh, that's Um, awesome. Tell you in some of the statistical stuff that's out there, like you can look at like episodes that get played more than others. And so in, in a week of plays, the Friday episodes always have more play than the Monday through Thursdays. Oh, so, so I just wanted you to know, too, there's there's people that are like, listen to the Fridays through the Psalms more than some of the other weekday ones, too. And I thought that was a pretty interesting trend to see where they fall in on the overall ranking. So that's pretty cool. Maritza, thank you for once again joining me on a Friday Daily Grind, Enrich Your Faith. I love it. Me Um, too. Hey, I'm going to pray for us to close out. And I found an old prayer that was written by Clement of Alexandria, who lived from about 150 to 215. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's old. Been around a while. (laughs) And so I'm just going to pray the prayer that he wrote. Um, Be kind to us, your little children, Lord. Be a gentle teacher, patient with our weakness and stupidity. And give us the strength and discernment to do what you tell us so that we grow in your likeness. And may we all live in the peace that comes from you. May we journey towards your city, sailing through the waters of sin, untouched by its waves born serenely along by the Holy Spirit. Night and day, may we give you praise and thanks because you have shown us that all things belong to you and all blessings are gifts from you. To you, the essence of wisdom, the foundation of truth, the glory forevermore. Amen. Amen. Have a great Friday and we will uh, see you next week on the Daily Grind.